I'm Josh Boaz. I'm Matt Zucker. There are a lot of podcasts featuring top executives. But what about the next wave of leadership? The makers and the doers. The ones we're all going to work for. We wanted to meet them. Find out their story, how they got to where they are, and what they see coming for everyone. This is a spotlight on those on the way up. This is Rising. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Rising. Today with us on Rising, we have Stephanie Dobbs-Brown. Stephanie is the Chief Marketing Officer at the Intercontinental Exchange and the New York Stock Exchange, a Fortune 500 and a Fortune 50 company with 9,000 employees around the world. In her current role, Stephanie's charged with leading the overall marketing team and overseeing digital design, events, marketing, operations, and technology for the company. Prior to joining Intercontinental Exchange, Stephanie served as Vice President of Corporate Marketing for Dow Jones and was Head of Brand Public Relations Strategy at Thomson Reuters. She began her career at CBS in Memphis and New York City. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks. Thanks. Hi, Bull. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And this is a special special edition because Stephanie's actually live in our office at, at the direct agent's offices. So it's a feels like a nice milestone. I am. It feels very, uh, really good and, and very 2019. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2019, except our sound quality is much better this season. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and we all have uh, we all have Zoom. Zoom complexions now. That's um, exactly right, Stephanie. Maybe you can start off by just giving, uh, you know, giving our listeners kind of a sketch of your your career. You know, how, how did you get to to where you are now? Yeah, yeah. So uh, happy to. So, and I think you touched on it a little bit in terms of of where I started, CBS uh, in Memphis in New York. So, um, if I sort of go way back. I, uh, I graduated college with a, with a degree in public relations and uh, in a focus on journalism and really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was really intrigued by media, um, but I sort of learned really quickly that um, I was not ever going to be somebody who wanted to uh, be in front, of, in front of the camera. I didn't sort of really like the kind of broadcast specific angle. Um, and so it ended up happening where I uh, took a job in Memphis. Tennessee, which I went to school in, in the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. I took a job in Memphis at the at the local CBS affiliate do, uh, doing sales. I was an account manager and um, knew somebody in New York who ran marketing actually at CBS at the time, uh, a guy by the name of Jeff Kreiner. And he had said, look, if you want, we have this job in New York uh, for uh, for the early show, which is which is now, uh, you know, CBS morning is sort of what the evolution is, is today. But it was the early show at the time. And he said, we need somebody who will go out on the weekends and uh, meet with, you know, different uh, organizations, convention and visitors bureaus, um, local tourism uh, organizations in different cities and just do shoots for us and send us back, uh, send us back the, the content from it. And we're going to use it, uh, on the, as bumpers between the different, uh, the, the segments. And I said, sure. So during the week, Monday through Friday, I would, uh, you know, I was in, I was in ad sales, uh, and on the weekends I would go out, uh, you know, pretty consistently, uh, to, to cities all across the U S and, uh, I'd have a crew and we'd work with the local tourism uh, team and we would do different shots to sort of highlight the city's uh, sort of best, uh, best assets. Um, and it was really, it was great. And I, but I think it was sort of, uh, very indicative now when I look back on my personality of, you know, if, if, if I see something and I want to do do it, I will sort of figure out a way to do it, and uh, and I did, and and ultimately, uh, 
left Memphis, uh, went to Atlanta. I was sort of looking for a bigger city, um, did a, a sales role there while I was still uh, working for the early show on the weekends. Um, and then fast forward a couple of years later, I had been uh, promoted to a role in Chicago for the company I was working for in, in Atlanta. I was still working for CBS doing the weekend gig. And they said, look, do you want to come to New York or not? Like you can, you can only sort of get so much out of this. Uh, I've been doing it for a while. And I ultimately decided to, uh, to, to stay in Chicago. I really fell in love with that city. Um, and I really liked, um, I liked the sales side, but I, what I really liked is sort of PR communications marketing. And I took a job uh, at a company called PR Newswire, which is still around today. Um, it was where a lot of people at the time, uh, I think, got, got their sort of start in, in marketing and, and PR. Um, and I, I did that for a while and then moved on to a role um, again in sales uh, at, at what, what became Thomson Reuters. It was Thomson Financial at Thomson Reuters. And along the way, I just sort of always really was most interested in talking to, a, to, you know, when I would work with accounts, what I was really interested in is sort of how they would market. You know, I sort of didn't know what, what, what it was, but I would sort of say like, how are you talking to your customers? How are you promoting yourselves? Like that was always what was really interesting to me. And um, at Thomson Reuters, we were getting ready to launch a product that was targeting um, public relations and, and marketers. And I went to the business head and I said, I would love to, uh, I would love to uh, sort of lead this uh, effort. Um, it, was a, it was what we would call sort of a commercial management role, which was a little bit of product development, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of sales. Um, it was sort of the whole thing. I was, um, I was woefully unqualified for it, but really, really passionate about it. Um, and I wrote a job description and um, ultimately ended up leading that um, effort and that was really where I started to make the transition more into a marketing role. I ended up um, in the head of brand strategy um, for Thompson Reuters and then moved on to, to Dow Jones uh, as well, and ultimately in my role at Intercontinental Exchange. And so at Intercontinental Exchange, uh, it really, you know, most people don't know who we are. It's, uh, it's a, we're a large data and technology company, uh, also an exchange operator. And we have lots of different uh, sort of elements to our organization. And I think, you know, when I look back on my career, so much of what I do today was sort of picking up along the way in these different types of sales roles, public relations roles, marketing roles, all culminating, I think, in, in really what I do today. Stephanie, do you think that, I mean, these sound like fast moving jobs and really demanding jobs. I mean, the sales side, PR side, moving city to city. What was it about you that you were good at that you thought that made you successful at these? Yeah, so I, I think the I think there's there's absolutely a, a, a big part of my personality is my energy, and I I am one of those people who, for better or worse, has a lot of it, um, and also sort of has a, a philosophy. I sort of live by the philosophy and I, I, it's not mine. I'm pretty sure it came from Disney in some way or another, but if you dream it, you can do it. And that's sort of always been my philosophy, you know, and moving from city to city, I always wanted a bigger city. Wait, no, this isn't big enough. This isn't big enough um, until I ended up in New York, uh, which is, which is the perfect size for me. Um, but it, but, you know, I think there's a, I have a real passion for, for, understanding the philosophy of why people buy things, why people, what motivates somebody to want one thing over another. And, and to me, that was always really, really interesting. So I think from a really early stage in my career, I knew that 
even when I couldn't articulate it, I knew that marketing was something that was really interesting to me. And I think for me, it's always I've always been really passionate about that. Um, and I think the other sort of piece that's more tied to my personality is I'm I'm not afraid to fail at all. I'm certainly not afraid to take any risks. And I think that's what allowed me to move to so many different cities. A few of, I don't even think I had mentioned um, because it, you know, to me, it was if it didn't work out, I could sort of move somewhere else. It's not the end of the world, and I, that's really, I think, afforded me a lot of space and flexibility to take some chances that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise. And and did, throughout this journey, did you have like a, a roadmap, or did you kind of just see, hey, when the opportunity is right, you'd move, or like how how intentional was this this path? I I think my my career in general has been pretty intentional. And, you know, when, when I was little, I used to love the movie Working Girl, which I imagine a lot of people won't even know what that movie is at this point. But I used to love that movie and sort of seeing Melanie Griffith on, uh, you know, on her way to a big skyscraper. And even when I was really young, I sort of always pictured myself working in a big skyscraper in a big city. And for me, I've always sort of had my eye on, OK, so like, what's next? What? How am I going to be challenged? And and and. That's what really motivates me is I love I love a challenge. I love, you know, I would say I love to sort of fix things. Um, I lo- give me something that sort of needs polishing or fixing or sort of a complete reimagination and like, you know, re-ima- like reimagining something is really what I love to do. So I think that's that's really what's been behind it. But I'm always sort of thinking about the next thing. Around. How can I challenge myself a bit more? Is there anything that's gotten in your way or on the on the flip side of that? Like I consistently through my career am bad at math. It's just it's always in the way. It's always a fun problem. Is there anything on the flip side that has either gotten in your way or is is not a strength that would be interesting? Well, funny enough, math is not a strength at all. Um, and it's hopefully nobody on our finance team will listen to this, but ironic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but our uh, I I spent a lot of time with our finance team. Uh, often because that's that is not necessarily a strength of mine, but I think, um, you know, early look. I mean, everybody has sort of areas areas of weakness. I think one thing that I'm very conscious of that I've I focused a lot on throughout my career is around having empathy for people. Which which for me, you know, early, especially early in my career, I would sort of operate a certain way. You know, as I sort of laid out, you know, I would sort of see something and run after it and sort of do it and and not be, you know, necessarily scared if I've got to knock some bricks down to sort of get there and really motivated to climb that mountain. And early in my career, I was my, it was the first team I was managing. You know, I was, somebody was sort of, there was sort of a directive to do something. We sort of all had to, and, and the woman really was struggling with it. She just didn't want to do it. And I just couldn't understand. For me, it was just, well, we just have to do it. Let's just do it. And a um, mentor at the time, MJ McCarthy, had sort of taken me on, on, under her wing and was, and was really coaching me as I was getting started in my career and managing a team. She said, you have to have empathy. You have to assume that people aren't coming to work, uh, you know, not wanting to do the job or not wanting to do a great job. And that really, really stayed with me. And I think, you know, for better or worse, I move really quickly. Um, in all aspects of my life, I talk fast, I walk fast, I do things, I see, I see things, and then I want to go after them really quickly. And I think that sometimes I have to slow myself down and, and, and be aware of the fact that everybody sort of operates at their own pace. And that's, that's not only okay, but that's great and valued. 
Um, so how do I make sure yeah. that I'm and if not, you want to take them on the journey, you've got to bring them along. You've got to bring them on the journey. And I think that that's, it's really, really important, especially when, when leading a big team, um, that you're, you can empathize with where people are and people's styles to make sure that, you know, people are not, you're not only getting the best work out of people, but actually that people are really enjoying the work and wanting to come to work every day. But that's, it's always something in the back of my mind when I think about sort of leading a team and making sure that I'm not just knocking pins over. In, in addition to your mentor, did you have other kind of resources along the way that have helped you career-wise, like a personal board of directors or, or other things like yeah. that? Yes. I've been really, really fortunate, as I'm sure many, um, many, many people that you talk to and have been as well, to have both men and women, uh, more junior, more senior, my peers that I have... Um, really learn from. I, there's a few in particular, MJ McCarthy, her, that piece of advice that she gave me really, really stayed with me. Um, Jeff Kreiner, who I mentioned, sort of gave me that break early in my career around CBS. Um, Nancy McNeil, you know, is another one who just has been, um, you know, somebody I've worked with, but I've had clients who have really helped me. I've had people, you know, there's a few people on my team today who have been with me for a long time and who I learn from every single day. Um, to me, I just think that that's so crucial to, to one, be curious and open to other ways of doing things, but also vulnerable. And it's not always easy to be vulnerable with everybody. And I don't know if I would certainly recommend to be vulnerable with everybody. But I think to me, those those places where I've sort of let my guard down and and been myself and been open to critique or constructive criticism is probably where I've where I've really learned the most. That's great. And in terms of just empathy and leadership, and I've seen you in action, Stephanie, and you're a very empathetic leader and your team, I can, and I can attest that uh, they would follow her anywhere from what I've seen. Um, how, how is that? Has it, has it changed at all during kind of the COVID times and kind of the zoom world? Like how have you had to adapt? And, you know, I think we're all trying to navigate this and just, just curious on any reflections you've had. Yeah. So, Yes, of course, has changed so much. I think so much of and a lot of how I have spent my time over the last few months has been how do we how do we meet people where they are mentally, emotionally? How do we how do we give people the space that they need? And also, how do you keep people engaged and enthusiastic and energized? you know, in many cases from their kitchen table, you know, I think, and, and often in, in isolation. And, and so, you know, we did a, a lot of different things where, I mean, my management team alone, and we spent a lot of time just sort of thinking about our team and sort of who needs, you know, who needs to be tucked in is what we would say, who needs, you know, who needs space, who needs, who needs a minute to just take off on a Friday, just tell them it's okay. Don't look at your email, don't bug them, just let them do their thing. Um, so I, I definitely think that that's been, that's been a big, a big focus, you know, for me in particular, I came back to, I was on maternity leave when, when the world sort of shut down and came back to this virtual world. And so that was culture shock, you know, in addition to just trying to sort of find my way as a new parent that was trying to do that virtually and, and, and and do that for others was was something that I spent a lot of time time thinking about and and trying to do. I wanted to ask you about industry too because I just realized that you started in news 
went into arguably information services, if I think about Thomson Reuters, I see, like it's just so in that world, it feels very natural, obviously. Is, was that intentional too, to stay in financial services and news, or were you tempted by other other industries that you were selling to or anything like that too? Was How intentional was the industry? I would love to say it was really intentional. It hasn't been, but it's so true. If you look at my, if you look at my career, it really has sort of toggled between um, news, information services, uh, and financial technology. That's sort of where I've been. I imagine in some ways it probably is intentional because it's it's what I find interesting. Um, but in terms of saying like, that's the type of role that I'm gonna look for at this company, not as not as intentional as as, as certainly my, my, my resume would suggest. Do you think it's hard to switch? Like if, not that you wanna switch, but if you wanted to switch and go into, I don't know, package goods or retail or manufacturing, would it be, would it be hard to do? Or do you think you could do it? So look, I, for myself, I think it would be, I think it would be tough. I love B2B. I just really love B2B. I've never really had an interest in, in consumer marketing at all. I find consumer marketing to be really fascinating. And I certainly think that there's elements of consumer marketing that should absolutely be applied to B2B marketing, but it's just never where I've been interested in. I just haven't really been interested in it. I, I think that of course there's transferable skills, you know, but but to me, I think it would be it would be a leap. Like for me, what I find really fascinating is 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 financial technology in lots of different ways. I just think that to me, there and there's a consumer angle to that a little bit that I find interesting. But in terms of sort of that package goods or retail is not really, I don't think is really sort of my natural space. Do you have Bitcoin? I don't have Bitcoin. I don't. I'm uh, looking big week with with Coinbase, and I'm I'm absolutely fascinated by uh, digital wallets. Although, don't don't ask me too many questions about it because I can't say that I'm an expert on it. I'm just really fascinated by the whole thing. I think it's I think it will absolutely change uh, the way that we that that we. I just think it'll change the entire consumer landscape in the coming years. And in an industry that is changing, you know, constantly and, you know, all the industries you've been in have, have seen a lot of transformation. How, how have you kind of stayed, you know, on top of the trends? Like what do you, is there any, any process do you have to keep, keep learning along the way? I would, I, I wish I had a really good way of doing it. I don't, although I'm very open to if other people have good ways of doing this. I am, I am naturally curious and I, you know, and I think it, it goes back sort of tying to that sort of interest in news. So I, I read a lot and I, I ask a lot of questions. I think that's probably a big, a big part of it. But I, you know, for me in every role that I've been in, I've always sort of had this philosophy of pick the sort of three to five outlets, publications, you know, podcasts, whatever it might be that, you know, that you're just going to get the biggest return on in terms of kind of keeping you abreast of what's going on and, and focus on that. Like to me, this is not so necessarily focused on, uh, on my industry, but I can't get enough of Inc. and Fast Company. Like I love both of those publications, and in fact, miss traveling because that's where I would I would catch up on them. Um, and and I would I, there's tons of sort of interesting nuggets around trends and especially in financial technology that you know you can sort of pull out of there. But but it's always always a bit of a yeah. I, I have not perfected it yet. Yeah, I think the underrated part of uh, business travel was always that time yeah. of traveling where you would read all these business publications that you would. It's so true. Read and in, yeah, it's right? so true. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so, so Stephanie, can you t- tell us more about what you're doing at Intercontinental Exchange and kind of what you have uh, coming? Uh, yeah, the future sure. There? So it probably helps to take a step back and explain what Intercontinental Exchange is, because most people don't know. Uh, Intercontinental Exchange, uh, we've been around about 20 years. As I, you know, I, I had I mentioned a data technology and exchange, a company and exchange operator. That's what we do. Uh, we we started about 20 years ago getting into uh, into into exchanges around sort of how how do we how do you make it easier for traders to trade different types of commodities you know power gas agriculture um, how do you make that more transparent so today tra- you know it used to be that traders would trade what we would call bilaterally like one to one how do you just make it a whole heck of a lot easier and use the internet to be able to just make it easier for traders to do that. We built an entire business around that model and have gone after, you know, every asset class, you know, that we have is sort of using that same different type of playbook. And so we today what we do is we have, you know, very large business segments that focus on exchanges. They focus on data. They focus on technology, everything from fixed income to uh, equities. So we own the New York Stock Exchange to mortgage um, any business that has been uh, sort of. Uh, what we would say analog and needs to be transitioned to digital where, you know, we've, we've, we've probably touched or we could with our playbook and, and, you know, could in theory touch. So my team is responsible for marketing at Intercontinental Exchange. And one of the biggest challenges we've had is that nobody knows who we are or what we do. Um, it's, we go by ice for short, which, uh, could be, you know, frozen water could be immigration. Oftentimes we'll tell people we own the New York stock exchange as a shorthand to explain what intercontinental exchange does. So in the last, uh, six to 12 months, we've gone through, um, an effort to reposition and rebrand the company, really leaning into ice, which is what most people in the industry know us as leaning into ice, leaning into our heritage around data and technology. And it's been really, really exciting. So if you if you look at at sort of everything that we touch, I and mean, we touch virtually every aspect of the global economy, and it's been really interesting around how do we just make sense of that for the world? How do people just? It's a com- a complex business um, that touches lots of different facets of the global economy. How do we just make it easy? And so we've looked at everything from you know a redesign to the website, all those sort of obvious things where. You know, looking at uh, you know our uh, advertising campaign, we're looking at you know how do we how do we train our employees, nine thousand employees plus around the world, to talk differently, to think differently about how we position ourselves. So it's been really, really exciting, and it touches everything from you know, like I said, what you would imagine in terms of you know the website and and digital, but like it's really a cultural shift for the organization, and I'm just thrilled thrilled to be a part of it. What kind of skills do you do you need on your team? to be able to do this kind of work? It's definitely a mix. There's, you know, the way that we think about marketing, we have, you know, what you would consider, you know, your traditional product marketers, demand generation. So who's looking in at at acquisition, content, digital, key. I mean, so incredibly important to what we do. Mark are looking at our marketing, you know, our tech stack, you know, there's a team that's, that's really focused around that, our website, operations. So we actually just created a marketing operations function, which we hadn't had before. And so how do, how are we looking at data and analytics and how is that helping us, you know, inform everything that we're doing? Um, but it's, it's really, you know, a mix of strong writers, strategic thinkers, um, strong executors, a global sensibility, 
deep, deep focus around content and digital. And I think the, you know, the, the last thing I would say sort of softer is all around culture. I'm, um, care so much about the culture of the team for two reasons. One is from a marketing perspective, you know, in my experience, you can't really do, you know, marketing is not a, you know, it's not, it's not an individual act, you know, you need, you know, where one person's role or responsibility, you know, stops, overlaps with the, where the next person starts, right? It's sort of just one big team that that keeps that engine running. Um, and and having sort of diversity of thought, diversity in general on, on, on coming up with new ways of doing things, I think is so incredibly important for a marketing team. And I also, I am a firm believer that marketing can be an influential force for any organization. And I think can really not just, uh, I think can be an, an enabler of culture, but I think can also be a creator of culture. Any, any advice for a young professional that wanted to say, join your team or, or kind of follow your path? Like, what would you tell someone who's just entering uh, the industry now? Yeah. So I always tell people when they're earlier in their career to not to be, not to be, it's, it's not, it's not necessary to be so focused on one part of marketing. You know, marketing has so many different, you know, there's so many different elements to marketing. You know, you can be in events, you can be in product marketing, you can be in demand gen, you can be in operations, you can be in content, you can be in social. And early in the in in my career, I didn't know. I mean, clearly, I didn't know which direction I wanted to go in. And I think what worked really well for me is I wasn't afraid to just try a few different things and sort of see what I loved. I think because I love what I do so much, it's allowed me to sort of take some some risks and know, OK, so even if it doesn't work out, it's not going to be the end of the world. So I always tell people early on, just just get in. You know, sometimes those those coordinator roles, those junior roles or, you know, entry level roles are the best because you try so many different things. And you can get a real feel for, you know, what's interesting to you. But I think it's, you know, it's okay to take take some risks. Yeah. And maybe have a side hustle yeah. on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you were doing that on the weekend too. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 I, I loved it. I really, I really, really loved it. I, I found it to be very energizing. And, and again, just, you know, early in your career, you know, I had no money. And I was, you know, hopping on a plane and getting to see the best of, you know, every city that I was in. And it was just, I mean, it was such a dream to get to do that. Um, and it really, I think, helped me. It, it helped shape kind of what I was really interested in. You know, had I just been one or the other, I don't think I would have had as much clarity around what I really found interesting. I, I was talking to a group of people the other day and I said, anyone can do the nine to five. What comes after that? That's what's going to separate you yeah. career-wise, right? And yeah, I think you know. I think it's it's of course it's the hours, but I think it's the it's the sweat. You know, it's it's putting in that time and that passion, and 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 not being afraid to sort of throw up your hand and say, you know, I have an idea of you know maybe we do it this way or maybe you know that could be a better way of doing it. I think to me that's what I always that's what I recognize in other people and. And that's how I was starting. And frankly, that's how I am now, you know? So I, you know, and I think that there's some cultures don't really, um, that doesn't always, you know, work in, in every culture. But I think for the cultures, the companies that I've worked for, I think I've, I've really looked for culture. I've looked for that culture fit. And I think that's probably the other piece of advice is culture matters. It just does. Everybody operates differently. You know, every company is different and having that, you know, having, being part of a company that really works for your style and your personality, I think is important. And, and on culture, just as a leader, like what, is there anything you do specifically to develop a certain culture and to, 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 to grow it and to kind of hit, hit all those different marks you've talked about? Yeah, there's a few things. So, you know, 
so one is, you know, in, in you know, what we have right now at, at our team at, at the management level is we sort of we we identified like what do we want the culture on the team to be and what do we and, and just as importantly what do we want it to not be you know and I think that that's okay and there's no right or wrong to that it's just sort of what what it is and as we go through hiring we have a process in terms of how that we look at that and we also do a culture check so you know there's sort of the the natural progression of of the interview process in terms of you know who somebody would need to meet based on the role that they're going to be in and then they have to meet with somebody else on the team that's just another person on the team doesn't matter who it is but has to be you know has to sort of gauge the culture fit that this person's going to be you know going to fit on our team going to fit within the larger organization that it's somebody that we want to work with every single day so i think that that's a big a big piece of it um i also we spend a lot of time like you know of course it's you know covid but but when we're not in COVID, and actually, I just sent a note to my management team last night. You know, let's let's get. When can we get together? You know, is June too soon? I think, I think it is important to get together outside of the office. Um, and you know, I'm a big fan of like doing activities, which I know is sometimes a big eye roll for people. But I think the reality is like sometimes when you're sort of away from the office and you do a fun activity, or you just sort of like get out of you know the office, or even coffee, like drinks or cocktails, is sort of like that's just par for the course, especially in New York. So, you know, getting on and doing some type of activity together, I think, helps, too. I don't mind activities, as long as it's not, like, forced, you know. Like, I don't want to do the trust game, right? And I know, <laughs> right. and I'm, I, I interned at Dentsu, and they would, like, I think it's be an executive, to like, you have to clown, climb Mount Fuji. Like, I'm not climbing Mount Fuji, which means Dentsu's out. Like, I'll just never, ever work there. Yeah, you have, to, you do have to think about that. So I, so I did have a, I did have a, a blunder a, a few years ago. Uh, when we were at Dow Jones, we did um, we did uh, sailing on the Hudson. They were races, so we had a bunch of different boats, and everybody, you know, we everybody split into teams of I think it was five, and it was racing down the Hudson. And I was so excited about it. I thought, like, this is so clever. I have really, I have really nailed it. <laughs> and then one person, then one person got seasick. And took out the whole the whole boat. <laughs> I mean, so that was that was a bit of a mistake, and I had to sort of rethink, yeah, you know, the the approach on on that one. So, but yeah, you do have to put we you know, like we've done like scavenger hunts across the city, and uh, we've done we've done some some fun, interesting ones. But yeah, you do have you have to think about like what people's you know love like tolerance levels are and, and personalities and styles, which. You know, especially as, as you as your team grows, that that becomes harder. You know, you have to sort of pick more benign options, but that's okay. So, so no climbing Mount Fuji and no uh, exactly those two are out. <laughs> those are out. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time for thank you notes. My favorite segment where we ask our guest Stephanie today um, who she would like to thank somebody maybe that opened a door for her or gave her indelible advice that stays with her to this day. Stephanie, who are you going to thank? I'm going to thank two. I'd like to actually thank two people. Uh, and I actually think they'd both be surprised that I was thanking them because I don't think that they realize what an impact they had on my career. Um, one was was Jeff Kreiner. So he gave me my, my first job. Uh, he was running marketing at CBS at the time. And, um, and you know, to him, he needed, you know, a junior person that would just go out and, uh, and do bumpers for the CBS early show. And it absolutely set me on a path to, to a career that I, that I love. Um, and MJ McCarthy was was took me under her wing early in my career when I was first a manager and gave me 
a piece of advice that has that has not only stayed with me, but it has absolutely shaped my management and leadership style. And that was always, always be empathetic, have empathy, always remember that, you know, other people have things going on. Um, no one comes, you know, most people don't come to work uh, not wanting to do the job or being difficult. Um, there's usually a blocker there. Um, and as a manager and a coach and a leader, it's on us to to help, you know, unblock somebody. Um, and and that really that really sh has completely shaped how I how I lead, how I manage, and how I coach my own team uh, to to lead and manage. Great, thanks to both of them. All right, so now it's time for our top picks, and this is a could be a book, an app, uh, a show, a, a life hack, anything that we think our uh, our listeners would be interested in. Uh, Stephanie, you want to start us off? Sure. So, okay, book. There is a book that I read about every, I don't know, year is is probably not not fair. Maybe like every eighteen months to two years, which is called Essentialism. I think it's by Greg McCowan. It's 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 really sh helped sort of shape my thinking in terms of the importance of just focusing on the things that matter. So I'm one of those people that just loves to think really, really big. You know, I think I had mentioned my sort of philosophy in life is if you can, if you can dream it, you can do it. And that really helped me. And it, it is, it's sort of a checkpoint that I use every, every couple of years, just to kind of help, help focus, you know, help me focus on, on the things that matter. Um, so I would say that's, that's the book. Uh, the show I have to plug the Formula One Drive Drive to Survive. I think it's on Netflix. So I I didn't even really understand. I didn't know the difference between Formula One and NASCAR, which I'm sure is embarrassing, and I should probably know the difference, but I didn't. And now I'm a huge huge Formula One fan. After watching that show, I highly recommend it. Very cool. What about you, Matt? Mine's an online community um, for marketers out there. Serial Marketers, Serial Marketer, founded by David Berkowitz. Um, I recently profiled him in my Forbes column, and I just I'm really enjoying it. I join a lot of Slack communities and stuff, but this is the one I find myself really. You can sign up for his great newsletter. Um, he's got a Bitcoin offering called actually Dollar Sign CMO. It's like a currency, so I don't know what to do with it. I, I gave him forty bucks, and I've got like forty, you know, and it's like fluctuating and stuff. And I think I traded in for I don't know what CMOs. I don't know, and um, but it's a great community. It's a Slack group. You can pay for premium services if you want. He's got marketing tech reviews. It's just a really interesting. He's just blowing up this business, and it's it's new. So you're watching it form and grow overnight. So I'm really encouraging more interesting marketers to get in there and participate in it because I think it's really fun. Oh, that sounds great. Very cool. Um, I have two. I'll give one uh, kind of crypto-related one. So it's a website called BitClout, C-L-O-U-T. And someone told me about this, and it basically described it as like Twitter, like the kind of uh, the crypto equivalent for, of, of Twitter, and then every you go in there and you buy your own name or your handle, and then basically there's like a you know like an Elon Musk would be very valuable because you know he puts out a lot of content and there's some people trade on it. It's interesting, but what was funny is when I tried to sign up, someone had already bought my name. I think they'd like gone through LinkedIn, and anyone with like my picture was there, and I have to. Oh, sorry. That was me. Sorry. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> who's your brother? I was like, I already am behind the time, but I think I have to, I'm trying to figure it out. I think I have to buy it back from him or something for like a dollar. It's not worth very much, but anyway, it's interesting. I think you to check it out. Um, and then the other one is just a book and I, it's, it's an older business book, but, uh, 
I just got around to reading it because I have a whole stack of business books, but it's called uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things uh, by Ben Horowitz, who's a kind of he's a famous venture capitalist. And uh, it, it kind of goes through his start as, a, as an entrepreneur. Uh, he has some different tech businesses and it's kind of real business lessons. It's, it's a, it's, and it's kind of written in a really kind of easy, easy to digest way. So The Hard Thing About Hard Things, if you're looking for a business book. Stephanie, thanks so much for coming on. How how can people find you if they want to stay in touch with you and they like what you hear and they want to learn how to sail down the Hudson? Yeah, <laughs> well, th- thank you both so much for having me. Uh, LinkedIn is is uh, a great place to find me, Stephanie Dobbs Brown. Great, great. Thank you, thanks Stephanie. So much. Thank you both. Our theme music was created for us by Movers and Shakers, a really cool creative studio who use original music and dance to bring brands to life. It's such a fresh approach to telling a brand story, and their work really engages emotionally with consumers. In fact, they recently won a Webby. You can watch their videos for Match.com, Little Tykes, and others on their website, MoversShakers.co.